Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to episode 140 of the Church Leadership Podcast. We are so glad that you have joined us for this episode. Uh, Andy and I talk about all the time. This is one of the most fun things we get to do in ministry. We love this. Uh, We enjoy uh, just building relationships with our guests, with each other, talking about topics that you want to hear about. And uh, we're excited about today's conversation as well. Before we get there, I do want to remind you once again to make sure that you subscribe if you haven't already. A lot of you have, obviously, but uh, we want to make sure you you subscribe if you haven't, because a lot of us, we don't listen to podcasts unless we subscribe to them. So we don't want you to miss a single episode because look, at the Church Leadership Podcast, the whole thing. Uh, that, that we do every episode is to encourage and equip you to lead in the local church. And uh, we believe these conversations do that for us and for you. And so we want to make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Now, Andy, let's get to today's conversation. Mark, you and I get to have a conversation discussing something we are passionate about. And uh, it's not barbecue. Uh, it's not, we, although we, we are passionate I mean, about that. Yeah, we, we are passionate about that. By the way, uh, if anybody has any recommendations in your area, send those to us. We'd love to hear uh, good barbecue places. We love to try new barbecue places when we're out traveling. So uh, this week, we are going to discuss or try to answer a question. Might be a better way to introduce the topic today. The simple question is this. When we multiply disciples, when, when we have second and third generations of our disciple-making groups in our churches, how do we maintain fidelity? How do we ensure that what's being taught in the first original group is being passed down to the groups that multiply after? So that's what we're going to talk about today. I think the place to start talking about that is where you start with your groups. I, I mean, just to go ahead and, and jump off into that. Uh, uh, topic today, I I think when you begin developing and implementing a disciple-making strategy in your church, you should have a pretty good idea of what you want to pass on to those you're discipling. Now, obviously, your your, your style, your format is going to be tweaking and and changing and, and adjusting and adapting over time, but you need to have a pretty good idea of the main things that you want to be passing on uh, to to your groups. We have uh, some core competencies at our church that some some basic expectations of what we want someone to to know and understand and be able to uh, to have those characteristics develop in their life through their groups. So start strong, as our friend Daniel says. That's right. That's right. Uh, and and look, I think that's the perfect place to start because. This issue, really, in my opinion, is is a major issue because a lot of churches, pastors, leaders get derailed in disciple making because of this issue, because they feel like they can't maintain fidelity because they haven't started strong. They haven't started intentionally. They just kind of throw things together, get a curriculum, all that kind of thing. And so um, absolutely, you, you, you know what you're doing, even if you don't know what you're doing, right? Know what you're intending to do. That's right. And I think one way to do that, Andy, is just to keep it simple. Um, I think a lot of times in, in disciple making, uh, we try to we try to do everything, 
uh, in one meeting or, you know, in one year, and you can't, you can't accomplish everything. Obviously, uh, discipleship is a long process and making disciples is a long process. So just keep it simple. Uh, you know, you heard Andy talk about those core competencies. We have core competencies in our church and, uh, you know, there are very few of them. Uh, because we want to make sure that what we do communicate and pass on is is very clear. And to do that, you, you need simplicity. There's a motto in our church, and uh, I think it's also in women's makeup: less is more. And so uh, that's that's always a, a good. That's my a good that's my hairstyle motto. <laughs> that's right. There you go. It works. Well, you know, starting strong, being simple in in doing this, it ensures that people are on the same page because what we're talking about, the negative effect of not starting with this level of intentionality and simplicity, well, what happens is very quickly, the train can get off the tracks, right? You can have people who turn an intentional micro group of three to four or five people together into a uh, gossip prayer time or to an affinity Bible study about eschatology or <laughs> do dogs go to heaven i mean you can you can just it can run off the rails really really quick if you don't do those two things we just mentioned be real intentional about how you start and be clear but also be very very simple um uh you also have to understand that every group will not be the same exactly you have to have a level of flexibility and willingness to let each group take on its own identity. Now, every group leader is going to be different. Every group and the participants and, and those being discipled in the group is going to be different. You're going to be passing on those same, like we talked about, core competencies, ideas, and principles, but you need to allow the leader and the participants in those groups to have some flexibility to make it their own. You don't have to meet at the exact same time as the group you were in before. If you're leading a new group and you were participating in a group before, you don't have to meet at the same time, the same day, right. you know, have the same exact schedule. Um, every group's going to be just a little bit different. So there needs to be a little flexibility, but overall your purpose is the same. And you want to make sure that even though those groups have flexibility in your own unique identity, you're trying to accomplish the same things in those groups. That's right. You know, I had a guy uh, who's been disciple the last year, year and a half, and he came up to me and kind of almost uh, was afraid to ask, but he had this idea with his wife who was being disciple too, of, of having a couple's uh, discipleship group, D group. And, uh, you know, we haven't done that in our church, um, but he was afraid to ask because he was afraid there wasn't flexibility. And I was like, that's a great idea. That's an awesome idea. If that works for your schedule, if that works for you and your wife and other couples, I think that's fantastic. So yeah, you, you got to be flexible. Now, as soon as we say that, I know some of some of you pastors and leaders um, that are high Ds or, you know, um, or very detailed oriented people, you start to sweat a little bit and start to freak out when you use flexibility because you're thinking, oh, flexibility, there goes the losing fidelity, right? some control. That's right. But <laughs> There are ways to maintain that, even in flexibility. And one way that Andy and I both do is we have uh, we have some information. Uh, we call it a guide. Um, Andy, you call it a field guide, and we we basically give that to our D group leaders. You know, somewhere around the time that they're getting ready to multiply, 
And it's not so that they can just read it off like a manual every, you know, D group meeting or whatever huddle, but it's so that they can refer back to it. If they get confused, lost, forget, because we're human beings, we're busy. Right. And so if you have that kind of standard written um, again, it's not a curriculum in a sense, although it's as close to a curriculum as we get, but you know, it, it, it helps provide that, that fidelity that we're talking about over successive generations when you're not the one directly leading every single D group, and you certainly shouldn't be. Yeah, those guides serve as a great tool, kind of like uh, guide rails on the road. They kind of keep you in between the ditches, headed in the right direction, and it is uh, a, a great way to keep your focus where it needs to be, but it is not a week-by-week session by session, fill in the blank curriculum that, that you have to go by in, in that sense. It includes the core competencies that we talked about. It includes, you know, some of those main things that we want to keep the main things in our groups. And it just helps keep you on track. And it ensures that this group has that core competency and those principles and those teachable things that you're talking about. And those things are passed on to the next group that multiplies. Right. So um, like I mentioned earlier, the flexibility comes in here in, in the sense that the timing of how groups go through those guides is different. Um, the, the pace at which some people might have the capacity to take those things in and learn them might be different in one group than others. So if you have junior high boys, uh, it might take you a little bit longer to pass on those competencies than it would be maybe some middle-aged men who have already been deacons or, or, or Sunday school teachers or small group leaders or whatever. So you've got to keep in mind that flexibility is going to be there within those, those uh, guide rails, and you can use uh, those guides to help you do that. Absolutely. Um, another, another way to kind of maintain that fidelity as generations multiply uh, is, to, is to have a time where you regather the leaders for training. Uh, I think that's important uh, because, again, we, you know, time is a great memory eraser. And uh, even, even, you know, as generations uh, get further away from the first generation, it's kind of like that, you know, story of, of that recipe of, of cooking the, um, the turkey and cutting the, you know, the ends off because it wouldn't fit in the oven. Well, that's the way we get in making disciples as we kind of tweak something and we forget what the original was. And so it's good to be, I guess, refreshed uh, into what we're really doing, the purpose of, of making disciples, why we do it how we do it, method, Jesus's method, all that. So it's good to, to kind of regather the leaders. And I'll be honest with you, this is something I didn't do for a long time. Um, we just got our, our leaders back together, kind of confession time here, uh, a couple of weeks ago for the first time at our church. And then we're in the fourth generation. And I realized we're, you know, we're losing a little bit of fidelity. We got to get our, our leaders back together. And so we did, and it was fantastic and it was very encouraging. And, and we got to share some stories in that too, but I think that's a, a good way, Andy, that we can do that too. Yeah. And what happens when you do that is that on, that not only ensures that, that fidelity, we keep using that word. It's basically the, the, the intentions and the principles behind what you're doing. Those things carry on from group to group and generation to generation, but you're also ensuring them when you get those leaders together and, and you're talking back and you're getting feedback from them, what's working and what's not working. And you're getting to hear, all right, 
Uh, is this group doing what they're supposed to be doing? Are they learning what they're supposed to be learning? And are they doing it in a timely manner? And it may be, we go back to the word flexibility again. It may be that some groups uh, work better with one leader, like one leader led them, or it may be two people out of a group pair up and work together and, and lead a group. So it may be more than one person leading a group and it makes that group more accountable because two people are bringing in the same viewpoint. Uh, so, so that, that helps too. We've noticed uh, you and I've done that and experienced that you and I have led groups where we've discipled pastors on our own. And then when you and I have done it together, it's just, it's, it's such a joy to be able to do that. And to have someone that's like-minded and you work well with and you click and it just, I, I think it really, really helps reinforce those main things that you want to pass on from group to generation to generation. Absolutely. Share some leadership, no doubt. Um, that's been a great joy of mine to be able to do that with you. And, and it, honestly, as we talk about shared leadership, that's another thing to think about within the group. Um, you know, if you're discipling, uh, you know, men and women, if you're discipling women, you know, don't, don't wait until the end of the group to let them lead. So let them lead within the group so that they really know how to lead and, and know what they're teaching and leading. Because again, that, that reinforces that purity and fidelity uh, in successive generations. Um, so we, we've talked about a lot uh, to do. Let's talk about uh, a couple of things, maybe not to do. Mm. Um, and we've kind of alluded to it already, but one thing that you don't need to do is just take what you've seen somewhere else and try to paste it, copy and paste it onto your church, right? That, that rarely, probably never works. And it certainly creates problems down the road. Yeah, the copy and paste or the cookie cutter approach, what works for a church of 500 in a suburban area is not going to work for a church of 50 in a rural area. And what works in a church of multi-level full-time staff members is not going to work in a church that has uh, bivocational leaders and lay leaders. So you've got to be really, really careful to personalize how you want your strategy and your systems of disciple making to work so that it may take you a generation or two to get it kind of tweaked and, and worked out well so that you can ensure that that's being passed on in your context, a way that works best. So you've got to contextualize how you implement a disciple making strategy in your church, not based on what some other church is doing, but based on what Jesus told us to do and what works best in our church in our community and the lives of our people. That's right. And I guess, you know, that's why uh, I'm, I'm hesitate the way I say this, but that's why I won't speak for Andy, but that's why I have been so adamant that you don't need to make disciple making about a specific curriculum, right? Because if it's a program or curriculum, then that really is a cookie cutter approach. And you're, you're saying that one size does fit all. And, you know, we believe that, that that's not the way Jesus made disciples and that's not the way we should make disciples. So I guess the, the last thing that I'll say in, in terms of maintaining fidelity is the best way I know how to maintain fidelity through, you know, generation after generation after generation of disciples is if you just stick to the Bible, then you know that it's going to be consistent. 
right? If you stick to teaching God's word, studying the word, you know that it's going to be consistent because you're studying the same material, right? You're not going to change material 10 years from now, one year from now, six months from now. You're not going to change curriculum. You, the curriculum is the Bible. You stick to the Bible. It's going to be the same. That's right. Yeah. Our, one of our heroes of the faith, Charles Spurgeon said, uh, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. So it is a fantastic idea to read resources and glean from what other churches are doing and read lots of books about disciple making strategies. That's a fantastic thing to do, but don't cookie cutter. Don't copy and pay copy and paste. Like we mentioned earlier, the, if you want to cookie cutter something or copy and paste something, do what Jesus did, read the Bible and just do that. I mean, that sounds overly simplistic, but you can't simplify that process enough because we've overcomplicated for the last several generations and decades in our, in our churches. And especially in our denomination to the point where we think programs are the way you disciple people programs help in the process, but programs are not the primary means in which you can make disciples. Uh, life on life, spending intentional time with people in these groups, like we're talking about, and trying to pass on these biblical, I use that word biblical, these biblical principles that you want to see in the lives of your disciple. If you know what a disciple is and what a disciple does, that should come from the Bible. If you want to know what core competencies that you want to pass on to your disciples in your church, those are your discipling, it comes from the Bible. If you want to know how to apply all this in your context, that can come from the Bible. So, I mean, uh, uh, sure, you can take seminary classes about it. You can go to conferences. You can read the best books and all those kind of things. And those things will help you in the process. But the Bible, if you want a curriculum, yeah, you, you've got one. It's called the B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> That's the book for me. Yes. That's right. Look, and I, we really believe this. I mean, Annie and I are passionate about this. We believe anybody can make disciples yes. who has been discipled. That's and right. it if you, if you, if you stick to Jesus's approach and Jesus's word, the Bible, I believe that, that anyone can multiply disciples because I believe everyone's called to. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, our, our hope is that this is this list and these ways has been an encouragement to you. Um, and maybe giving you some ideas and some tools and, 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 and encouragement to, to continue doing what you're doing or to maybe change course a little bit so that, as you multiply disciples, because that is the goal, right? We're called to make disciples of all nations, to multiply disciples. As you multiply disciples, you won't be frustrated or discouraged like we have been at times because we didn't maintain fidelity by doing these things. So that's our hope that you've been encouraged and equipped to Amen. do that as you make disciples. And you may be thinking as you're listening to this episode, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do this. I don't know, you know, I don't know what to do or, or who to uh, recruit or how to start all this. We have several episodes in our, our uh, lots and lots of episodes. Now this is episode 140. So there are several episodes that Mark and I have recorded, but more importantly than that, if you reach out to us uh, and email us. We'll include our email the way you can contact us in the show notes. But if you will reach out to us, we'll be glad to talk with you about implementing a disciple making pathway in your church for your context using the Bible and how you can do it and maintain fidelity. Okay. Doesn't mean it's easy, but don't think it's got to be complicated either. That's right. So 
Well said. Very good. Well, thank you guys for joining us once again. And uh, we can't wait to see you the next episode. And uh, we'll see you next time. God bless you guys and go make disciples. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. 